I'm starting a brand new series this morning, and so my pattern is that I would do an Old Testament storyline, a gospel, and then a New Testament. I just finished an Old Testament series on David, so it's time for a gospel. And what do you know about the gospels? Did you know three of them have genealogies? Which one doesn't? Anybody? Any Bible trivia people? Now that we know how many animals Moses took on the ark? That was not bad. How many did Noah take? Two of every? At seven pairs of the clean. So the number two isn't just exactly completely correct, if you know your Bible trivia. Okay, are you ready? Matthew has a, a, a genealogy, thank you, um, that goes back to Abraham. Why does he go back to Abraham? Because he's talking about the people of faith. Mark doesn't really have one. Mark is doing the New Exodus. So if you really want to know what Isaiah's doing in the New Testament, you read Mark and Isaiah side by side, and that'll do that. Luke has a genealogy, goes back to Adam. Why Adam? The humanity of Jesus. The humanness of Jesus. And here's the, here it is from John. Are you ready? This is John 1's genealogy. Are you ready? In the beginning was the Word that already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. That's the genealogy. It's a little shorter than we're used to if we start listing our parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents all the way back. Why were the Jews doing that, though, in their world? Why were they listing who their parents were? Not, not just to understand from where they came, but to mark themselves out as the children of Abraham of faith, the people of faith. And, and so there were certain markers that they did with that. You could say also that sometimes our genealogy sort of marks us out. How about this? Have you ever heard this expression? The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Are they talking about what the person looks like or how they act? How they act. Yeah. So today, as we get ready for the Gospel of John, I want you to know that it actually has a fairly intricate structure for the first 18 verses. I'm going to present some of that structure today. If you don't fully get what I'm saying, just sneak your hand on up during the middle of it, and I'll spend a little more time. It's okay. It's okay. They, they send us to school, and they teach us all these fancy words, and we have to use them because, you know, our papers have word limits, and those words mean more things. So the, the structure of the Gospel of John, the first 18 verses, is a chiasm, which also, it always starts with one topic and ends with the same topic and moves inward to a center point. I'll tell you where the center point is today, and I'll show you the thing on the screen. Here it is. I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about it, okay? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. 
John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but, he, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, and here's the midpoint of the whole thing, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what the entire gospel is going to lay out for you, that you have the right to do it. Now, it's going to tell you how to do it and what that means, but that right there, that is the focal point of the chiasm. Now back, once you get through this, the topics start repeating backwards out. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or, a, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him. And when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He revealed God to us. Okay, Jackie, can you show us this slide two, the next one? Okay, I know you can't see this, okay? This is for effect. This is all 18 verses. It's way too small for that. But what you can see is some color coding as it moves in. That's what I'm trying to show you is that these things move in from the outside. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The one who knows Him revealed Him to us. Phenomenal cosmic reality. Right? Phenomenal cosmic powers. Itty bitty living space. The problem with us is we get these great big huge things, like we get this idea, phenomenal. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was created was through Him, all this stuff. But us humans, we get down here and we get these great big ideas, and they go, and? What does that mean to me? How does that affect my life? Why should I care? Have you ever figured that out? Why should you care that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and everything that was created was created through Him? Why should you care? Here's why you should care. The middle of the chiasm is because that God gave you the right to become children of God. Now, how was He going to do that? How do you understand that sort of concept down into your personal life where it affects you. Let me tell you, if you go to the end of the chiasm, here's how that great big phenomenal cosmic power, right? Phenomenal cosmic truth lives itself out in how we begin to understand becoming a child of God. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. 
So you get this huge power sort of understanding, this most amazing detail in the whole world, right, that the Word was God, that if you should get this idea of Genesis 1 in the beginning was God hovering over, the, and he spoke, where it speak the Word. He spoke over the chaos and, and formed the world. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. But how does it affect us? How would we even know the details of such a thing? This is how. The one who was with him, the one who was him, the one who was there in the beginning, he came and explained him to us. He exegeted him for your $5 word. That's, that's the Dave $5 word. I like $5 words. I spend a lot of money on my vocabulary. Every so often I want to use it. The one who is with him explained him to us. Next slide. So that's what you see here, the beginning, and there's all this stuff in the middle, but you see that big, huge truth reflected through the middle, through the middle. Everything's reflected through the middle. Why do you care about the stuff above the middle? Because the middle. How are you going to understand the stuff above the middle? Everything underneath it is how that happens. Here's the next example of that, okay? Next verse, or next slide, is this is where we're going. So if I come back to my Bible and I get to this spot, it says, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Phenomenal cosmic truth, right? That's the big deal. Why do you care? Why do you care about this stuff in your work-a-day world? Well, you care because it's that God that gave you the right to become children of God. But how do you know it? Well, first off, let me, let me make sort of a slight distinction in, in what the Bible says about who are the children of God. Okay, so we say God created everyone, and because of that, we're all God's children. Doesn't the world kind of say that? We're all God's children. But the Bible makes a distinguishing mark between those that were created by God and those that live into the reality of who were his children. That's why Numbers shows up in the book of the, in the, in the Bible, right? So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, right? Because they're trying to say, we're the children of Abraham. We're the children of faith. This is why it matters, that they're the children of God. So when Jesus walks around the whole countryside telling them the stories, remember that story about, about a walled vineyard? And he says, there's some renters, and they live in this walled vineyard, and God sends them messengers and all that. Jesus is telling them a story that they've been telling themselves their whole life. We live in a walled vineyard that God put us in. The problem with the story was is that they thought they were the children. And Jesus is telling them they're bad renters. Jesus is going around the countryside telling all the right stories with all the wrong endings. He's changing their understanding. But how do we get to this spot? Well, if we come down to the bottom of the text, why does this matter? From his abundance, we all received one gracious blessing after another. Yes, the rain falls on the good and the bad alike, the just and the unjust alike. Yes, God doesn't say, I'm only going to be good to the good people. You don't Look, this is the whole reason the book of Job shows up. 
in the Bible. If Job at the beginning of the Bible believed that only good things happen to good people and then something bad comes to him, how's he supposed to handle that? Well, that's the book of Job. If you've never read it, here's his struggle of coming from a spot where his belief is good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, but suddenly something bad happens in his life. How would you deal with a struggle like that? You might sit on sackcloth and ashes and scrape the sores of your body just like him. And his friends believe it too. The difference is his belief is changed by a little bit of contact with God. Just a little bit of contact. But how does that contact work? For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus, the one who dwelt there and lived with him and showed him to us. How do you begin to know what it means to be God's child? It has to be kind of explained. We don't figure this stuff out quite right on our own. You know that the human world essentially doesn't think of human beings as special creations. Initially, without God's work in our life, people start to think about people about how many bricks they can make. People use people to get things done. That's what's going on in Egypt. How many bricks can you make? Well, we don't have any straw today, so we're going to make less. Well, you're going to make more without straw. That was the whole thing. Are you brick makers or are you people that happen to make bricks? The biblical story is that God uses things to get people done as opposed to people to get things done. This phenomenal cosmic God is interested in you. So interested in you that he's given you the right to become a child of God. Now, as we go into the series, we're going to talk about that because that's way too much for me to handle on a day when I've got a missionary report and a communion Sunday and a Bible giveaway and things. There's too many moving parts. Plus, How will I get you to come back if I don't have a cliffhanger? But how does the explanation work? Here's an example of how it works in our lives. Are you ready? This is from Acts. This is uh, Acts 8. Later, God's angel spoke to Philip. At noon today, I want you to walk over to that desolate road that goes by Jerusalem down to Gaza And he got up and went. Do you do that in your life? Do you need more explanation than that? By the way, go stand on the dusty road over there. I've got a friend that does this, and I've always kind of wanted to be like him. I've always kind of wanted to be like him. Anyway, he got up and he went, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch coming down the road, and the eunuch had been on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and he was returning to Ethiopia where he was minister in charge of the finances of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was riding in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, climb into the chariot. Running alongside, Philip heard the eunuch reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? This is the way it goes for us. This is the way revelation works for us. How can I, without some help, 
And then he invited Philip into the chariot, and the passage he read was, as a sheep led to the slaughter and as quiet as a lamb being sheared. He was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial. But who can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? And the eunuch said, tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or some other? And Philip grabbed the chance. I love this translation. That way. Philip grabbed the chance. By the way, go stand on the dusty corner for a while, and I'll tell you what to do when you get there. The children of God, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree in the children of God. They do the things they see their father doing. So if God says, I'm going to need some children, but in order for them to be my children and to do the works I do, because that's the line we're drawing. Do I need to go to John 18, 8 for that? This is Jesus talking about it. This is Jesus talking about if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Why? Why is that a big deal? Because the Son who set you free is the God who was with God in the very beginning. And if the one who is this phenomenal cosmic power sets you free, then you're actually free. If Dave, the pastor, sets you free, you might have some chains fall off. But if that guy sets you free, you're free all the way. Yeah? So he's having this argument with them, and he says, I know that you were offspring of Abraham. Remember, there's a distinction between all the children that God made and the children of God. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. The apple will not fall very far from the tree. If you find yourself living a certain way, you might find yourself the child of a certain father. Your habits, it's not just belief and trust that causes you to be a child of God. It is belief and trust and, and received him. That's verse 12a. We'll be handling that in two weeks. But now you seek to kill a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham doing. You are doing the works your father did, they said to him. We were not born out of sexual immorality, right? So they feel attacked, so the very next thing they do is attack back. Who does that model? Have you seen that? Have you seen that reaction? Somebody attacks and, and suddenly everybody's on the offensive and, and, the, and the latter rungs just keep ratcheting up. And what's that telling you is the behavior model that we're following is not particularly good. He's going to sleep when I do this. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here, and I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. So what's the takeaway today? How is it that we can get from a spot where we can get huge Bible truths and they start to matter to us? What's the connecting point between those two, between in the beginning was the Word, and we, us as children of God. This relationship 
that God came and explained who he was through, through Jesus, and we got the right to become children of God. Let's change that language just a little bit so it fits your, your context just a little bit. Let's say you were in high school and you were nominated for class president. Does that make you class president, just being nominated? No. So what needs to happen after the nomination if you're going to be class president? You need to say, first off, okay, I'll run for that. Yeah? Because if you don't accept the nomination, are you going to be class president? No. So if I read this this way, that he gave them the nomination to become the children of God, you're going to know that you're going to have to accept that nomination. The next thing is, you have to do the work. But you do that with his spirit inside you, guiding you. It's an entirely different kind of work. Today, today as we finish up the sermon here, May you know who your father is because the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that we have a bunch of moving parts today. That is super cool. It's also sometimes hard. Sometimes feels like the service can be a little chaotic, but it's not. Every piece fits together. Lord Jesus, guide us and strengthen us, move in us, cause us to be your children. Amen.